Welcome to The Future State, the show where we take important topics from different industries, dissect them, and look at where they're heading in the future. Nick, we're going to uh, we're going to have our first guest for the podcast. Uh, shall we? Uh, shall we kick it off over to Alex and let him introduce himself? Yeah, go for it, Alex. We uh, we're excited to have you on. Thanks for coming, and uh, excited to hear more about who you are and what you do. Brilliant! I didn't realise I was guest number one. Honoured, guys. Honoured. Yeah. So my name's Alex Moss. I am one. I'm I'm the person who owns a couple of businesses. One of them is called Firecask. Um, they do online marketing, SEO, uh, paid media, web design, and so on. But I'm also CTO and co-founder of a company called NFTU, um, which is, I would say, an all-integrated agency that can help um, anything to do with NFT production, collaboration, marketing, and promotion. Busy man, Alex. Always been a busy man. Yeah. You sound like uh, you've got your hands full. Nick, Just a little I- bit. We've got um, just so everyone sort of knows, like Nick is uh, Nick is into the NFT world through through work and through personal interest. I've got a lot of dangerous knowledge through reading. Hopefully, Alex is going to help me become just slightly better than the Dummies Guide version to NFTs, and then help Nick maybe invest or, or create his own one. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll dive in with uh, with a load of questions. Yeah, I, th- I think my cool. uh, my artistic skills are probably on par with. Um with Gary Vernacek's, but you know, it's, uh, he's, he's been selling for quite a lot of money. So, uh, maybe, maybe if you've got a bit of marketing behind you, you can, uh, you can do something fun with NFTs, but it's probably a good, good place to start because I think, you know, the social, um, media hype around NFTs has been pretty big, especially on Twitter. I think, you know, a lot of people have heard of NFTs, you know, right across the kind of generational age ranges. Um, but a lot of people are scratching their heads on what exactly an NFT is. So Alex, can you give us a, a, a definition of what an NFT is and kind of why they're relevant right now? Sure. You've only got 45 minutes or so. I? <laughs> <laughs> don't know how much time I have here. Well, an NFT is it's it's a non-fungible token. And the best way to explain that is is comparing it with an actual piece of art. Um which is a great visual representation, and that's why they're doing so well. So if we take um, a pound coin um, and I swap it for a pound coin, that's a fungible um, physical asset where one equals one. Now, a non-fungible token is a unique receipt based on a purchase or a transaction, which can have utility elements or other attributes that go with that transaction. And that can work actually with anything. It just so happens that artistic representation is the best way. So if anyone wonders what what the hell um, an NFT is um, when it comes to do with art, and more so, why is it important and why are people spending millions on a JPEG? Um, my response is it's, um, it's all about provenance and you can treat an NFT like a digital certificate or provenance of that art. Um, it comes from the source and you know that it's verified if that person is someone you trust. Um, and it's all on the blockchain, which means it's immutable and transparent. So if I go back to the art, you can go to the Louvre in France and you can see the Mona Lisa on the wall, right? You can see it with your own eyes. It's grace. It's physical. Um, but only a certain, only someone owns that. So either a family or an estate or the Louvre itself will own it. I don't know who owns the, the Mona Lisa and what all that entails. But after you've seen it, you can walk through the gift shop 
and you can buy the poster of the Mona Lisa from the official Louvre poster shop, you know, and that'll cost you, I don't know, 50 euros. Do you have any legal interest in the Mona Lisa? No, you have a photocopy of it. Now, you can also walk outside the Louvre and there'll be people outside on market stalls and they'll sell the exact same poster, but they'll be unofficial. You know, they'll just be a photocopy and you'll pay, say, 20 euros for that. Now, the person buying that knows exactly that that is not the Mona Lisa and they have no ownership, but they'll still buy the poster. Now, if you want to go a stage further, you can go home and you can print it out on your own printer for free. The quality will be terrible, but you will have a picture of the Mona Lisa. And all of those pictures that can be bought can all be put on the wall. But you don't own any of them. Now, my response to that is, why would you buy the poster? if you have no interest in it. Actually, in the official store, you've just paid 45 euros for a piece of card. And actually, if you want to go down to the nitty gritty, how much is the Mona Lisa worth as material? Not a lot. So actually, it's all about provenance. It's all about trust, it's all about the curator. And once that's all proven and sold in a certain way, it makes it accessible for people to buy someone's digital art. Um, I hope that explains everything because that's just the tip of the very, very large iceberg that NFTs are. No, it's a good, I think so it's we... a good explanation that people can uh, re relate to. And uh, yeah, I, I think it provenance is a, is a big issue in the physical art world, how you, you know, verify that uh, an artwork is authentic. Uh, provenance is key in terms of who's owned that artwork previously, what shows has it been in, this all kind of adds into the value and things. And I think, you know, it's it's an inefficient way to verify a physical artwork by having to send it off to someone, especially if it's historical. You know, like a Mona Lisa, you might not even get it right. You might think it's the original, or one person thinks it's the original, another person doesn't. Um, and there are lots of copies and things, of course, but it's very, very difficult, especially with historical pieces. And it's such an efficient way of being able to verify uh, an artwork and the provenance of it uh, with an NFT in the digital realm. Um, so hopefully people yeah. know what the blockchain is as well. Um, can you give us one minute on just blockchain and exactly kind of how it works in, in this instance, just for anybody out there that's scratching their head and has heard the term and maybe don't understand it? Sure, because just over a year ago, I was extremely naive to blockchain. I didn't own any coin or anything. Um, and part of it was naivety. I thought the blockchain and cryptocurrency were the same thing. Like that's how little I knew. And as soon as I learned that actually cryptocurrency is a layer of which it sits on the blockchain, I was like, okay, fine. What else have you got on the blockchain? And when I started finding out about NFTs and one of my friends who's been into NFTs since, you know, before they existed, knew what they were before they were rolled out, he explained all of it to me. And the first reaction I had is annoyance that I did not know what one was. I'd never come across it, you know. I knew what Bitcoin was and I knew what Ethereum was. I didn't know anything about any of the other altcoins, shitcoins, all of that stuff. And I didn't know that NFTs could be set aside from cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency itself is rife with the, you know, the, the lack of popularity, the FUD, you know, money laundering It's anonymous. You know, there's different ways of shifting cash. And um, I wouldn't worry about that, to be honest. But the blockchain itself, to explain what it is, it's just... A decentralized server so think of aws or something it's just not owned by one company 
it's a massive CDN. It's on different and, and it can't be shut down. It's not governed by a government or a country or regulated right now by anyone making it free and easy to transact in different forms of currency. And there's other things that I didn't realize about cryptocurrency itself and the blockchain is that economies rely on it. I didn't know that in South America, um, you know, Elon Musk tweet that that made that made Bitcoin go down 20 percent actually affected people's lives there. And I just thought it was a bunch of, you know, rich tech folk who were who were early adopters playing around with fun tokens. And whilst that is some of the audience, it's not a whole economy. It's not like El Salvador who've made it legal tender Bitcoin recently. And it's just a, it's just something that's going to be normalcy in about 10 to 15 years. Um, my belief is that blockchain is, how can I compare this? Like the internet was in 1991. It was there. It's the same theory, but not a lot of people knew about the internet. The ones that did understand knew the potential and they got involved early. Those people are extremely wealthy today. And the ones that went, this is bullshit, this is a phase, actually found it really hard to adopt afterwards. And it actually reminds me of SEO, the early days of SEO or any tech. It's like, oh, well, this is probably stupid. I don't understand it. And therefore, it can't be good. And now talk to the people 20 years ago who were poo-pooing the internet and tell them what life is like right now. Like even if COVID, if COVID happened and the internet didn't exist, what would have happened? What would have actually happened to the world? Because it would have been a lot, lot worse, in my opinion. And now it's just normalcy. I believe that blockchain will be normalcy for transactions in the future. It will eradicate fraud, like you were saying before. You know, physical art's hard to trace. Artists will be able to attribute their own work forever. They'll be able to create a recurring revenue stream because if I sell an NFT, if I create an NFT, sell it to you. And then in three years time, you sell it for a profit. I get 10% of that profit, you know. So forever, if I'm a famous artist and people keep on flipping um, NFTs, and that's what some people have on their models, they get 10% every single transaction. So right now, a crypto punk may sell for $3 million. That means Lava Labs get $300,000 for literally doing nothing. And an artist can do that as well. And they're making you know, that they're making a whole career out of it by being there early. It's, it's really, really so to, interesting. To give like a layman's explainer for some people, for artists, it enables people to make money. So a lot of artists don't actually make any money until they die. And then yeah. it goes to this state. And I think that's what's really fascinating when I worked in, in around the luxury art space is that actually majority of people, unless you really manipulate the market or you can try and control it, it's really difficult for people to make money or become as popular as they can be to start selling art. So I think the NFT world is really exciting for people, for artists who understand the importance of the internet and understand the importance of being able to get your work out there. And it's almost like a level of, for some people, obviously popularity and interest is, is only as good as your marketing generally or as good as your art. But that's the kind of the way that I understand it and would say to people, when they're unsure of whether they should buy, as you said, as, as they should buy a JPEG. Yeah, well, it isn't just a JPEG, right? You know, I can say anything about any piece of art. You know, this, this one behind me um, is uh, from a guy called John Bergerman. That's a physical piece of art. It's on the wall. He's now real, doing really well in NFTs, you know, so he, he does both digital and physical. Um, and the good thing about NFTs is that they can have anything connected 
to that NFT itself. So they call it utility elements. So think of it as a as a bolt on to the NFT. This is where it actually gets interesting because that can be anything. It can be a tangible asset. It can be a physical item. It can be an experience. It can be access. Um, and when I say access, I mean, again, physical experience, gaming, you know. So the future, I believe, NFTs. Um, I read a post that John O'Alderson, who I'm sure you both know, that he sent me something where they say that NFTs are going to become status as a service. So owning a profile picture like a board ape or a crypto punk is, is status now. You know, it's like clout. And having that clout um, gets, gets you access to communities. If we take the Board Ape Yacht Club, for example, who are, I would say, the second most famous after CryptoPunks, you know, they're, they're doing a yacht party in New York after the conference of NFT NYC. Everyone who owns a Board Ape or a Mutant Ape, which is, you know, the derivative of their original, free access onto this yacht. And then you'll get to meet everyone else who owns a board ape or a mutant ape, and therefore there is a community. And some of some of those projects where there's ten thousand, or you know, we call them ten k generatives or whatever generatives, where there's lots of different variations of the same framework, they are kind of little communities within themselves. Everyone's active on Discord. People meet each other, and they actually they help each other out. Like some whole communities. On Twitter, for example, Twitter Spaces is ripe with the NFT community. On Sunday, um, I forgot who it was, someone does um, like a mental wellness space where you can go on and talk about anything. Not NFTs, you can just talk about your day or how things are going or difficulties that you may have. And there's like a psychologist in that Twitter space. And it was all born from a few people knowing about NFTs. So the community is actually really, um, everyone, everyone's really supportive of each other. They pay it forward. It's actually a really engaging um, and supportive community within itself. If you've if you've been on Twitter and you see like avatars that look like three D apes, essentially that's what what you're talking about, Alex. Right? Is a that's the status. It's you buy one. It's you basically unique to you. You you try choose your side, your tribe, and then you, you basically it's a status thing that people are updating and changing their profile images to these the apes, correct? Exactly. And then when when like influencers, celebrities get involved, that can create, you know, the floor price, which is the cheapest, you know, the price of the cheapest one that's going that, that it pushes it up. And that's what you want, because the more the floor price is pushed up, the more your specific NFT goes up in value. So what what some people do, NFT collectors, they'll hedge their bets. And all of these NFTs on launch, they're generally about two hundred dollars. Obviously, they can go up and up and up. Now, Bored Apes, the floor price, I don't know, even know what it is, but it'll be six figures right now. Um, when that happens, what people do is they buy a lot of different $200 NFTs upon launch, hoping that one of them will be, you know, the creme de la creme and pay for all the others, you know, if they want to sell it or they'll hold it, you know, um, and that's what people do. It's like VC portfolios you know invest in 20 companies you know one might come off and and make your money back and i think you know a lot of people that really missed that crypto boat are now seeing nfts as a way to maybe regain some ground and uh you know but it is that the, there's those characteristics that you were talking about earlier i think there's really good characteristics around tribalism around community pan it forwards a lot of good things and then i think there is this kind of get rich quick almost like uh i remember the days of people trying to flog me i uh 
<laughs> ICOs. I remember being sent a deck for Hyundai yeah. coin coming out of South Korea as the next big crypto. And, um, you know, people just getting ripped off left, right and center. So uh, I'm keen to get into some more of the kind of basics for people who are thinking about NFTs, but they want to understand it a little bit more in terms of how they benchmark the quality of an NFT, how they do their research and things. But if we just start off with, I'm an artist. So, so th th we've already mentioned some examples of, of coins, uh, sorry, not coins, uh, NFTs that exist with Bored Ape Yacht Club, crypto punks, which people may or may not be familiar with. But if I'm an artist, an illustrator, um, even someone like Damien Hurst, who's done, you know, a collection of NFTs as well. But if I'm a creator, an artist, how do I create my NFT? And then how do I go about putting that online for someone to purchase? Okay, so it depends. Well, for, it depends. It's going it's, it's to be something I say a few times, like a good marketer. But First of all, it depends what kind of artist you are. So if you're into generative, you'll actually mint them yourself. And I don't want to go too technical, but you'd essentially have your own website. You get people to connect to, you, to the wallet and then you pay for something on the website. And later on, it's then minted on a marketplace called OpenSea, which is the Amazon of NFTs. Um, so there's, that's one way of doing it. The other way is you choose a different marketplace. So... At the moment, the NFT world is dominated by marketplaces because there's no easy way for people to mint um, on their own, right? So you have to go on a chain. So the most popular one at the moment is Ethereum, um, which is a different blockchain like Bitcoin, and you can pay with Ethereum, which again is just another currency. Um, so that's the most popular, and there's a few others out there like Solana and Wax and things like that. But let's just use Ethereum as the is the popular example. OpenSea is the biggest Ethereum marketplace. They turned over $3 billion each month for the last two months, overtaking Etsy. No one knows who they are. They There's only 400,000 wallets in existence, I believe. And yet that's the amount of money that's going through. So if you were an artist, it depends what kind of artist you are, because each marketplace is different. They have different target audiences and they have different um, artists on them. So to name a few, so OpenSea is anyone and everyone, right? And that's more about trading as well. But if we go into the more artistic ones, you've got Foundation, um, you've got Known Origin, who are actually based in Manchester. Um, you've got Super Rare, um, who specialize in just one of one editions. And I'll get into editions in a second. Um, and if you are a fine artist, you will only want to sell one of ones, perhaps. And it's as easy as joining the website, onboarding with the marketplace and uploading something just like you would YouTube. You know, you drag and drop and you pay mint fees, um, which is a whole other thing as well. And minting is essentially like putting a rubber stamp on that um, NFT and putting it out and putting it onto the blockchain for it to be sold. Um, minting varies dependent on the day and time and how busy the processing is around the whole blockchain as a whole. Um, so once you minted it and it's online, people can therefore bid. You can't even bid on something unless you've got money in your wallet. So it's not like a, you know, a credit card where you can kind of bid and bid and bid until it's an actual transaction. And as soon as your offer is accepted, then it goes through and it's immutable. It's non-refundable and that's it. And then you're transferred that token from the curator via the marketplace to the buyer. Um, and it's it sounds easy, but, you know, 
just like any art and physical, you can't just literally put a picture up in a window and expect someone to buy it within a day. They don't know who you are. You have to market it just like any other product. Um, so it's like a new business. But if you're an established artist like a Damien Hurst, we can use him. He's actually an interesting case study here because he's an established artist where a lot of established artists are poo-pooing NFTs. They won't in 10 years. They'll be eating their words. Um, so someone like Damien Hurst will come out and go, I'll make a set of, I don't even know how many he made. He might have made 10,000. Let's say he made 10,000 variations of his work. The interesting thing with him is that after a year, you have the choice to trade in that NFT. And in exchange, you'll be given the physical version of the Damien Hurst. So now at the moment, people... It's within that year time window at the moment. So people are keeping the NFT. The floor price has gone up. Some people obviously sell and cash in. Some I know people who've got the Hearst and they're still umming and ahhing about what to do at the end of the year. And some people are like still wary of the NFT bubble, if you want to call it that. And if it is a bubble, some people don't care because they might just swap it for that physical and then they've got a physical Damien Hurst and in 20 years time if NFTs exist or they don't in this way they've still got that physical so there's all of these choices and options you know um, and that's what's really interesting the limitations or more importantly the lack of limitations on what NFTs can do if we use gaming for example for example um, the future will be if we again, we'll use board apes as the benchmark. If you're a, a wallet holder, if you've got a wallet and you've got a board ape in there, then you can access different areas of a game. As soon as you know that that's possible, then the possibilities of gamification within those games is endless. You know, that people are already making their own NFTs, obviously, over characters that exist already, and you can collect things. Some of them you don't have to pay for, you are sent them based. Sometimes this is another option. You can be, it's what's called airdrop, airdropping, where you just send something, someone for free, the curator pays the gas. But if someone's earned in a game something to be airdropped something, then that's what they can do. And then they can have that NFT as well. And they can sell that, for Isn't, example. Alex, it's, the, it's like a skin or a um, weapon in Fortnite. It's essentially an NFT as well, right? Kind of, yeah. So, yeah, you could have a gun in Fortnite sent to you, and then that gives you access to that gun. You know, there's lots of there's lots of things that you can do. So, knowing that that if you think about it from a development point of view, if you want to take it down to simple if statements, if this person has a connected wallet and owns this kind of NFT, then allow this person to do this. Once you know that there's three simple statements like that. I know that gaming uh, producers um, are just going to go, wow, you can, there's so much you can do with this for a long, long time. Um, and then you get like, if we go back to community, you've got famous people who might like Fortnite and get involved, you know, and there are very famous people who, who are getting involved in the NFT community and they're getting embedded. Um, some are skeptical and some aren't. Um, uh, some people are skeptical of those celebrities. Um, and how serious they are. And I've been surprised by some of them. So um, if we take a couple of examples of celebrities, Paris Hilton, she's doing amazing. She knows NFTs in and out. She's being very creative. She's working with people. She's in the community. She's got her own Discord server. She shows up and answers, does AMAs all the time. She's great. Um, Snoop Dogg, 
I used to take the mick out of in May, you know, because he released these pixelated joints on on Bitcoin on Bitcoin.com, I think it was, or Binance, and they didn't do too well. And I was laughing, going, "So I would have thought Snoop would have thought too much about this." Fast forward three months, and he unveils himself as a, one of uh, as a Twitter user who's been collecting NFTs for years. He knows the ins and outs of everything, and no one knew who he was. People have been like chatting to him just as some random random nft collector and they had no idea that it was snoop that whole time and that i respect him a lot for and then you've got people who are going to come in on the you know the bandwagon you know just jumping on trying to get rich quick and those people don't last long you know so it's a it's a longevity thing and you need to get embedded in, if you're not interested in the community and you're just here going i here's an nft because i'm me um you're not going to be in it for a long time. And I think we can talk about that engagement piece later in the in the conversation around short and long-term strategies as well around NFT collecting. Um, but just to play it back, so I'm a creator. I've done, I don't know, my, I've done an illustration of a, a pixelated shark. Like, let's just take that. Um, I've gone on to OpenSea. I've uploaded it. And basically gone through the minting process and it's good to go and it's now ready to sell we spoke about the marketing there but if we flip to the consumer side if we flip to the person that wants to start collecting nfts how do they best go about it we mentioned doing your research there engaging in discord communities being on twitter following conversations but how do the what's the best way to go about i want to collect start collecting nfts i know nothing i need to educate myself i need to get into it and how do i judge the quality of the nft that that i might end up buying that's a really hard question to ask it's because art is subjective um, something as simple as I don't like the look of that will stop you from buying something that could be valuable. So, for example, I didn't buy a board ape. I kind of like the look of them. In April, I go, I like the look of these, but, you know, I didn't have as much knowledge as my other co-founders. And they're like, ah, I don't know if I like the look of them. And we just didn't get any. Now, look, you know, but they like cool cats. And I said no to them. And cool cats are just another another generative project and they're both doing really well and they're both now out of reach to buy which has annoyed us both because we had we had the ethereum back in the day like mm, let's not let's not let's not buy all of the let's not do the hedging of the bets let's not buy loads right now we haven't got thousands and thousands of dollars worth of ethereum to just play about with experimental ones and the stuff coming out all the time and that was back in april and weirdly in the metaverse one day in the metaverse is like well one day in the normal world is like a month in the metaverse if you think that an industry works fast in what you're in no it doesn't move fast. i thought online marketing world was fast nothing happens in there there's an algorithm update now and again and everyone writes about this one algorithm update for like three weeks and now i look at this like that's what happened like while i was eating breakfast in the in the metaverse and because everyone is so impatient and they want things now, now, now. They want instant hits. It actually makes it stressful for curators. Um, and it makes it harder to know who's genuine. Um, and because of that, the community can actually define the success or the failure of any given project based on, I don't know, for example, 
um, you say it's a reveal date. So you, you actually pre-buy you pre something without knowing exactly which variation you've got. You might see a couple of examples. And the whole point is that you're in a raffle in that 10,000 and you might be given in terms of rarity because that's how they're all ranked. You might have a crappy one, 9,998, but you might also have number 17. And if you have number 17 and all the others start doing well and getting flipped, you just sit back and you watch the value of yours go up. But that's also because of community. It could just die a death anyway. And the trustworthy stuff, that's the hardest challenge in my belief. Um, I'll take a very recent one called Mechaverse. Nick, I don't know if you, did you hear about Mechaverse at all or have you seen any of them or heard about them? No, not in any detail. Right, okay. So Mechaverse was, was basically another generative project. They look really cool. You know, they look a bit like Transformers. Um, they're very detailed, very 3D, made by these two French guys and this other smart contract company. And they got organically 125,000 people in their Discord. They've got 150,000 followers all before reveal day. And they they release them in a different way, in a raffle. So you prove that you've got money in your wallet. You, you connect it to your Twitter account so it knows. So these people know your wallet address, what's in that wallet and what your Twitter handle is, right? And at that point, they'll take all the 120 people and they'll select 8,888 people from that to allow you to get that generative pro that generative project. And it was found out days later that actually it was one massive fraud. You know, the, guy, the guys who created smart contracts were buying what they knew were rare generatives before the reveal was given. And because the blockchain is transparent, if you're not an absolute genius, you're going to get caught. And when you get caught, you are outed by the community. And when you're outed, there's no coming back after that. So what you have to do is either go and do it anonymously <laughs> through something else, which there are a lot. You know, there's another project called World of Women, which was all about women power, feminism. It was great. The art was great. People found out it was led by two Russian guys like that no one knew who they were. And they just handed it over to someone else. But after that, I found it funny because we had a client a month earlier who was like two Russian guys, you know, and, and we're like, well, who are they? You know, I never saw the faces. They paid. They did give everything they promised to the people. But they have things called roadmaps and they're like startups. You give 10,000 people, give us $200 for that NFT. Think about it. That's $2 million turnover. Some people sell out in a day. We had a client called Canine Cartel. They sold out in 50 minutes. That's $2 million, 50 minutes, right? And then with that money, you have to trust these guys that they're going to actually go through and do phase two of their plan, which in the in this uh, mm. community is called a roadmap. So you have a roadmap. With this money, we're going to do X, Y, Z. You can get access to it. And you actually, you don't know anything. You don't know what they're going to do. You don't know if they're going to scarper. There was another there was another ape based generative as soon as they got the money. Oh, but the wallet just got emptied a couple of hours ago. Where's the creator? Gone. You know, Gone, and, yeah. and what happens. So and that creates mistrust, not just in that, but it creates a ripple effect in the community that says, Well, who do you trust? And then outside, people like Danny who don't know much about NFTs are gonna be like, Oh, I read that, and therefore none of them are legit. Which mm. to be fair, uh, you know, a normal objective person would judge that way. And unfortunately, that's poisoning the NFT rep 
and slowing it down. But again, if we go back to the internet days, the early internet days, there were scammers then. There's going to be scammers all the time. They're never going to go away. You just have to find your way through that and wade through, just like you would if you got an, uh, an SMS from the NHS right now. If that happens, that's old school scamming, and people are still falling for it just by mm. a URL that isn't even a gov.uk, and people are still clicking it and giving their bank details. You know, But if that happens, they don't, they don't blame internet banking or the nhs do they they have to blame the scammer blame themselves and then later blame the credit card company if they don't give them the money back you know that's it and here you're kind of problem is that if you fell for the scam then you can't really blame anyone else but yourself here um but then you don't want to do that do you think that coinbase coming into the market is going to help yeah because it'll create more trust and onboarding the more official marketplaces there are the more official onboarding there is and the more um, provenance there is to that artist. But because you're reliant on marketplaces, it's like the other way around of how the internet worked. The internet worked where you made your own website and then later on, marketplaces like Amazon got bigger, right? So so now if you're in Web2 and you want to start a new business, your options are, I'll make a website and I get all of my money in 100% minus whatever Stripe or whoever take, or I'll give my cash to Amazon and I'll take a hit. It's the other way around here. Here, because the blockchain and NFTs were just made by developers messing around that didn't realize the scale and the limit and the lack of limitations what NFTs can do, it was made by devs. So devs made marketplaces and that's the reliance on the marketplace that people have. But on the other hand, it is it's an arse to make your own you know smart contracts and not easy to make whilst they seem easy on the surface if you get it wrong it can mess up the way people get paid forever so you have to really have that knuckled down audited um and that that's the way it works at the moment so i would say choose the right one but even then the marketplaces they're getting really busy you know we're, we're working with a marketplace at the moment and they're having trouble onboarding people because there's too many people submitting to them. Super Rare, for example, they have emails from, I don't know, 50 artists a day, you know, every single day, just um, just saying, oh, can I join you? And they have to go through a process. And some of the big brands will go up to them and say, oh, can we do NFTs? And they'll say, sure, where are they? And they go, oh, we don't know. We don't know what, what, what we're doing. And then they've got another challenge of, well, there's this big brand here. I don't, I, I don't know who, let's just use Porsche as an example. Porsche will go up to them going, we want to do some NFTs, we're Porsche, and they'll go, right, have you got a plan? They won't know because all they know is that they want to get into it. And that's when places yeah. like Super Ed talk to us because we know how to deal with a brand and collaborate with an artist. So it's uh, there's a lot of challenges yet to come. And like I said before, because the, it's like the internet in 1991, it'll take a good 10 years to like really perfect this ecosystem mm. um, and trust in the masses, really. Mm. So, so if we're so just to play that back then in terms of how I get into NFTs and how I discover good NFT projects to invest in, if I'm looking for investment and returns, basically very, very difficult to judge an NFT project, um, which I totally understand. Um, so, if I'm looking, I might I might go on OpenSea. I'm maybe doing some research on Twitter. 
joining a discord community and engaging in the conversation and basically doing my own due diligence on different nft projects it i can't it's very difficult what we're saying is very difficult to just go and go on OpenSea, see a ton of listings on things to buy and just buy one i mean you can do it but you're going to have no idea what you're buying it's wild west out there to a certain extent and a lot of what we're looking for really depends on this roadmap for the for the nfts development over time and i think a really good example of this was um gary vaynerchuk in terms of everybody knows who he is he's got a very high profile he's not going to disappear overnight he created v friends um which you know like you either like him or you don't but he basically pledged to you know, this is what you're going to get for your V friend. You're going to get exclusive access to, say, V Fest. I think it's called V Fest, but his annual conference. Yeah. Certain different levels of NFTs got you certain different benefits. He'd send you a gift in the post once a year with one NFT, or you get to do a mentoring session with him with another NFT that you'd have to pay more money for because you're actually buying his time. But he's basically pledging and using his social media channels and huge reach to say, I'm a legitimate person. I've created these NFTs. Here is the value of the, the package you are buying attached to an NFT. And you can rely on me to come through with some value and some benefit of that NFT. I'm not going to disappear any night and you can trust me. And I think like this an easy example because it's someone most people would have come across you know he's very loud on on social media and in a lot of places but basically the flip side to that is nobody knows about these nft creators and i could buy one i might not even receive it and my my ethereum or whatever i've paid with might just disappear into thin air is that a good sort mm -hmm. of summary of it kind of yeah and i think actually gary v has done it quite well as a use case for what other people can do you know i didn't buy a v friends because a i wasn't into the art and b personally i just wasn't interested in the actual utility i, I don't i don't need to go to v fest or meet gary v specifically to own an nft but i know loads of people do you know and that's part of his community and his fan base if you want to call it that um the art is just wasn't for me but i could tell at the beginning i was like well if anyone's going to do it and anyone wants to actually, if you're a, if you're a fan of Gary Vee, this is actually a perfect thing to do because you can get in on the ground floor to actually meet him and he will respect you for being an early adopter because he is very engaged with the community. You know, like we've like me and Gary have actually interacted on Twitter and we're now like he's following me because he, he actually follows a lot of people who are into the game and he does communicate with them. And actually the utility why not make a conference where it's free for any NFT holder to go? It shows dedication. Think of like a club card, you know. Actually, I think that, to be fair, Tesco can go into NFTs if they want to, you know. It's just like anything else. If you are a holder of something, you can get something for cheaper or access to something, you know. So having a chat with Gary Vee just because you bought one of his early nfts and he'll know if you bought it as a primary or a secondary before you before you even meet him like that's brilliant and some people will want to flip so the floor price has gone up so someone may have spent two to four hundred dollars and now they're going to get ten thousand dollars you know that's made i know someone who had not a lot of money but they were a big fan of gary v and now they've sold their stuff and they've paid off part of a mortgage with it you know so nfts yeah. really do pay for houses 
and it, it's crazy those early adopters are winning big right now and again mm. nothing's happened yet and and you know i i went in for v v friends um but one of the, you still got it the, the, no no i didn't get one i didn't get one so it was ah. um yeah 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 i set up my metamask everything got my eth in there it was just it was kind of my first foray into actually trying to buy something that i thought was a good investment and i went from a kind of investment perspective rather than anything else it was just something that i i wanted to get in it was something that i could trust so you know we've mentioned gary v there as as someone that i i think there's a couple of things that would be good to dig into just quickly are there any people that a newbie could go follow, like yourself or Gary V? Who are good people for people to follow just to understand more and to start getting into the mind space of the NFT community and what's around? And then there's some things we spoke about there mentioned, like floor price and minting. And just can we just talk around some of that basic terminology so people know what some of these terms mean? Yeah, sure. So, um, what all the different terminology? So, I would not all say of it, but the main things—the main things people should know. Okay, so the minting is the rubber stamping, is just getting it onto the blockchain and saying that something's for sale. Um, some marketplaces actually let you mint afterwards, after the point of sale or before most of before. I'm just trying to think of all the terminology because there's so many. It's, I mean, I lost sleep over three months just you answer one question and four more questions come out. Um, yeah. You, you've got people like, you've got all the common things like rug pulls. Like, I never really use that term. And now it's a daily term. Like, are they a rug pull? Are they trying to rug us? And, and that's that's unfortunate. You know, you've got people who are coming in and they act like they're legit and then they're just not. Um, then you've got, I don't know, you've got FUD, which of course I've used, which is a lot of stuff around things that make people wary of investing more into NFTs, like what's happening with the mint price, environmental issues, which is a big debate that people have had, but I haven't heard anyone say the word environment and blockchain in a good couple of months, which means they've obviously found out that it isn't that bad for the environment compared to other things. Um, and I would say when it comes to engaging more, there's so many, there's so many terminologies it's so it's so many well, it's actually blanked me of all the different things that you can what do. about Shil shilling okay maybe a different way to pose the question is who'd be good to follow or who, who offers great resources you, your company does great things in the nft space but if someone's like a beginner to an intermediate and has a little bit of money and one, and's got some ethereum or eve what's the best who's who's some great follows that w will add loads of value to to people's knowledge i would say one person to actually follow is a guy called farok farok um he's been around for ages but he he hosts something called rug radio um and that's on twitter spaces i know he's got more ambitious plans for what to do but he's on a lot and my advice is anyone who wants to get into twitter uh, anyone who wants to get into nfts is to go on twitter be active on it you um, look at the hashtag NFT community and find out what's trending and do your research before you start buying. Again, like any art, don't just walk into a gallery and just buy anything off the wall. You know, find out about the artist. Do you even like that art? Is it going to be valuable? What are their previous stuff like? Are they already well known or have they just opened up their Twitter account in the last few months, but somehow have 50,000 followers? And if so, is that legit? You know, um, but Farouk is very good because he talks about different things and he gets different 
um, he gets different guests on all the time um, and talks about all different kinds of NFT releases and drops with different people from, you know, Time Magazine to Playboy. You know, it's it's a range of different things and you find out and that he in, he interviews the creators generally. So when you do that, you find out more about them, other people to follow. You've got a lot of listeners in there. Usually a good few thousand go into his. This is the most popular Twitter space to go to. The only unfortunate thing is that because everything's US centric, nothing really goes on until like at least three in the afternoon when it's the morning for the West Coasters. And, you know, be prepared to be listening to spaces all the way up to one in the morning. You know, I wake up at eight in the morning and there's still people on PST who are still up chatting about NFTs, just anything about them. And I think the more you listen, the more you understand, the more you'll kind of find your way. And at the same time, you'll get into different artists, just like you would if you were to spend a week just walking around different art galleries. You'll find the artist you like. And you'll find the different styles you like as well. Um, and you may go a different way. You may find that you want to hedge all your bets on one piece of fine art or a Damien or, or you know, a Damien Hurst, a higher end creme de la creme. Or you might do the stockbroking kind of version of taking three thousand dollars and buying 10, 15 different new releases and hoping that one of them gets you money back. Yeah, and I think that's um, it's good advice, you know, in terms of you gotta you gotta do your research. You can't just walk in and buy something. It's pot luck if that's your approach. But who is you know? I've I've spoken there about maybe listeners of of this pod thinking, oh, I'd love to get into NFTs. I know a few guys that are in in that mindset of like I've got a bit of disposable income. I missed out on crypto. I want to get into NFTs. You know, they're looking at pudgy penguins and probably missed the boat on that and all sorts. And, um, you know, who is buying the NFTs at the moment? Is it just for the rich? Is it a high barrier to, to entry in terms of the inflation of the market? Is it people that have just made a ton of money on crypto and they can afford to spend the crypto because the crypto technically meant means not much to them in terms of what they put in and what they've got in their bank account? So who do we see buying NFTs? Um, all of the above. So you've got people who bought, Let's, let's just use Ethereum as the main example again. People will have been investing back in the day in Ethereum when it was like, what, $50? And now that it's $3,500, they've now got a lot more. So they can spend their Ethereum without actually withdrawing it or doing anything with it. And it's kind of like diversifying your, your cryptocurrency portfolio. So if you, if you bought, I don't know, 20 Ethereum, now it's worth $60,000 when you bought it all for like, two thousand dollars back in the day you have a choice you can take some out you can pay some of your mortgage off or you can keep it there with the faith that ethereum is going to actually be ten thousand dollars in the next six months which some people are actually predicting it is so just like any stocks and shares put in only the money that you can afford right but then some people have put in money earlier they've got richer they've said well i'm not going to take that out am i because it's doing all right so i'm going to keep it there and i'm going to spend $7,000 on a piece of JPEG art that I never would have even thought about just because I'm never going to withdraw it. And those NFTs, they flip it themselves and they're just diversifying their Ethereum. So there's those guys. You've got people, you know, who might have come in later on, like use Danny, for example, you know, when you may have bought Ethereum when it was $3,000, for example. So stuff's more expensive for you now. You have to really consider what to do because 
you think that you're late on in the game, but the fact that we're talking about it now, we're all early. I think that I'm a late adopter, but none of us are late adopters. We're all really, really early. And even though things may seem expensive now, it's probably cheap compared to what it's going to be in a year. So there's all of those different things of what you want to do. And then you you may find that you like an artist who's actually in the NFT world. If I use John Bergman behind me, I liked his art. Just so happens he's in the NFT world. Brilliant. I can get NFTs from him as well. Or you use someone who's well-known, both outside and inside, like um, Boss Logic is a good example. He was one of our first collaborators. Um, he's very well-known as making like the Avengers Endgame movie poster, he makes a lot of stuff with Marvel, Disney, Netflix, all of that kind of stuff. And he got into the NFT world and he does extremely well. I mean, the one that just one piece that we helped him with, we work with a company called ScaleSwap, which in layman's terms is like um, Kickstarter for crypto coin. Um, so you can create your own coin and just like kickstart it on their platform. And they wanted to make a one of one NFT, um, a first utility NFT, where if you're the owner of that one of one, you get unlimited access to the whole of the platform, early access to, you know, staking and IDOs and things like that. So when we produce that, the person who bought it, I know, is an NFT collector who was there from the very early days, probably had Ethereum since it was in single digits. So to him, when he spent 33 Ethereum, which on the day is $95,000, probably more now, um, to him, it might have been like $200. So to him, it's a cheap bet and he's collecting artwork that's high end, but yet it's it costs nothing for him and he's doing it and he has zero interest in the utility of the actual of the client. Right? He just bought it because he was a fan of Boss Logic and thought, well, he's on Super Rare. It's his first piece on Super Rare. Let's buy that, you know, and now he's just got it in his digital wallet. So there's literally those kind of collectors, just all kinds of people. And then you've got celebrities who want to increase the value of their own NFTs. So you'll have someone like Tiny Temper, for example, bought a Bored Ape. So now he's in the Bored Ape community. He'll get a bunch of followers of people who are Bored Apes, who obviously have a certain amount of money now, don't they? You also know that they're in an elite club. And that's another way of, you know, getting the floor price of all the others. Shit, man. You know, Tiny Temper's got one. Mike Tyson's got one. Shaquille O'Neal's got one. All of these people... Now you're part of the community that they're part of. I think they actually had a meetup for Bored Apes in Austin and they went to one of the football, American football grounds and they got to meet all the players and everything on a private thing. It's like because one of the players had a Bored Ape and liked it. And that's the they're connecting normal people with some of the elite just because you're one of the 10,000 holders of something. And some of those people will have paid their just their legit $200 at the time. And now, look, they've got access to this. They get onto yachts for free. You know, it's a, it's a nice way of being inclusive. But again, we both know that those communities can also go the other way and be a bit too elitist, can't they? You know, and that's the danger of some of the communities. They can fall quite easily just because of, I don't know, a few bad apples. Should we have a quick fire future state? Alex, do you want to give us sort of five points that you think is really important to people to understand but where you think it's going because like you said it changes constantly but you're in the space that you're you're helping numerous different people buy sell mint etc what do you think the next five big things are going to be the future of of nfts and maybe web3 or however you want to frame it um i believe that web3 is going to be 
normalcy when it comes to online. So I believe that Web 2 and Web 3 are going to kind of not converge, but they, they are going to link up a lot more in the next couple of years as the stability of the reputation of blockchain is just there. I think the other thing is the environmental issues, which we haven't even chatted about here, are small compared to bigger issues that other people have in early tech. So if I compare, say, the mobile phone, the very first mobile phones were only owned by the rich and they had to carry it, the famous brick phone. Like how much emission was that phone, you know, actually damaging the environment? Now compare it to your classic Nokia 3310, you know, when we didn't have Wi-Fi and it was just pixels. And now compare it to the iPhone. It's just the technology evolution is going to be more normal. And in 10 years, everyone's going to have a digital wallet. Everyone's going to be able to go out. You're going to be able to buy. I don't know. You're going to be able to claim things with it. I would go as far as to say that NFTs via McDonald's will let you have a Big Mac once a month, that kind of stuff. It will create clubs. Tesco Club Card, like I said before, can start doing this. And the reason why they're not is because of a couple of reasons. They're waiting for everything to be more normal. They're waiting for the Internet to be more trusted. And they're waiting for a time that I want. I want my parents to go out and buy an NFT without knowing what the hell happened under the hood. You know, I want them to go out and understand that they can buy something and it has value. We're not going to get that for some time. I mean, my mum and dad still kind of don't trust Amazon because they might steal a credit card. Right? So so that, to me, says in 15 years' time, there's still going to be people who are going to be questionable about it. But the other part of me says, if you're that sceptical, don't, don't enter. I don't want you to enter, you know, because the people who trust the ecosystem will, and they're going to be the ones that support it. And when it's all too late and you're moaning later about how you can't afford anything you can say well remember what you said before i think it's a bit too early for people to poo poo the whole ecosystem and say that it's worthless because who are you to judge that's like people saying the internet's going to be a phase i i would love to talk to those people now and see what they think and, and see how much they've been eating their words um it, that that's going to be the most interesting the mass adoption and how long it'll take the trust to be normalcy in web 2 and web 3 how normal is it going to be that i can just go on any site or actually go on amazon and just pay for something in ethereum you know it's going to take a while but eventually it'll happen um and the earlier you are and the earlier you can afford to invest even just in coin and just have a look at what's going around and just hold your ethereum in your wallet you know unless the whole thing you know caves in one day which it just isn't going to do because it's been around for 10 years and there's been worse things that have happened to the ecosystem then it i just believe it's here to stay and now i'm annoyed i didn't get in earlier that's my only regret is that i didn't i didn't understand or respect cryptocurrency earlier and i think it was because it was more stocks and shares and gold the co-founder came up to me years and years and years ago and went bitcoins at 200 dollars invest and i went nah, this is all bullshit I don't trust it. I don't know where my money's going. It all seems a bit wishy-washy. And, you know, I'm eating my words now because Bitcoin's now $60,000. And I was there when I was being told to buy it. And I didn't because I just didn't trust it. And I, you know, I couldn't, not that I couldn't afford to maybe put $1,000 worth in. And then there's the other naive thing of people think you have to buy one hole of something. Just because Bitcoin's $60,000 doesn't mean you can't buy $100 worth. It's just like having 5p, you know, instead of a hot, you don't have to buy a hot, you can't go to a convenience store and only get change in a pound. 
you know, it doesn't work that way. So I would say just put in even a few hundred dollars and forget about it for a year or two and then just check up on it. And it's like that 50 quid note you found in your jacket pocket. It's like free money, even though you lost the money a bit ago. It's like, oh, free 50 quid or 20 quid in my pocket. It's great. And that's what's going to happen with these wallets. Just put in even a hundred dollars, leave it a year and thank me. <laughs> you left yourself open there for some follow-ups when we uh, come back to revisit this in the year's time. <laughs> It, it, in in term, yeah, I just had a really quick question on brands. Where do you see the brand adoption of NFTs going? We mentioned some bits there, membership clubs, things like that. But if I'm listening to this pod as a brand marketer and thinking, how can my brand get involved in it? Just a quick minute on on the potential there. Um, look into it because everyone will be doing it soon. And think about what kind of brand you are and the exclusivity you can have. Let's, um, let's just use Chanel as an example. If they bring out an NFT now and you know, you know right now that if you buy an NFT of a Chanel bag and you also know that if you were to buy that, you'll get a new bag, you're going to buy that NFT, right? Not not because of the lack of tr the trustworthiness of the NFT. It's because of the physical. And the more that brands do that, use Odeon, you know, you can buy or, or, or a football club. If you're a football club, you buy this NFT, it's your season ticket, right? No more losing your season ticket, no more ticket touting for concerts. You know, if brands think about fraud and the way in which their brand may be susceptible to fraud, this is a way of removing it. If anything, the ticket touters outside concerts are going to be a thing of the past or they're going to be walking around with their own wallet going, this is the ticket I've got. Um, and I think that brands who think that there's going to be a lot of fraud need to get on it even more because they need to control that potential fraud because there's nothing stopping me from saying I'm Odeon or Chanel uh, and maybe getting away with it, you know, um, because Chanel haven't done it themselves and they should. And there's lots of brands that are looking into it right now because we're, we're actually talking to a lot of brands, you know, fashion brands, gaming, um, cinematic, or, or, you know, ones that require attendance, um, all of those ones are just going to dabble into it. And, um, you know, it's just one step closer for brands to say, you know what, just have this wallet and then your kid can have it. People will be people will be putting their their seed phrases in their will soon. That's what I believe. And that will be inheritance. You know, pe people are already saying they're buying NFTs for their kids. You know, now I've got a new kid. I bought them a board ape. They're already well wealthy now. And, and some of them are making a load. Um, and it's it's just an interesting thing that I'm I'm also seeing the convergence of brands. If you go back to Chanel, what if Chanel offers something to anyone with who's in the Bored Apes or who's a cool cat, you know? And it's interesting, even the Bored Apes when they went to Sotheby's um, and Christie's, which have been in both, which shows the respect of a generative project, is in the mainstream art galleries. You know, they all updated their their profile pictures and their apes to have suits because they're all suiting up to go to the art gallery so you can even customize your own pfp and it's the ownership of that and just know, knowing when a brand uh, can build their own community this is a good way of building it probably a good uh, good note to finish on there and i think it's very very exciting the the future of nfts especially with brands bringing it more into the mainstream i think there's hopefully plenty um that our listeners can learn from you know what you've said during this uh, session there's so much more to talk about as well and we've i've got 
half a sheet of questions still unanswered. Um, Danny, have you got any final thoughts on that? Yeah, Alex, if you can just promote yourself and give people, you know, places to come and connect with you. I know you're active on Twitter, Telegram, etc. So if you just want to promote you and your company and where it's best to connect to you if they want to do some collaboration or work with you. Sure, I would say just get in touch on Twitter. I'm at Alex Moss, very imaginative. Um, I've, my DMs are open and I've got a link on there for, you know, my personal website that has, takes you to LinkedIn and Facebook and all of it and Instagram. I've got inconsistent social handles. It's very annoying having a name like Alex Moss. It's, uh, it's quite popular. There's a load of them out there. Um, so I've had to distinguish myself or try and get Alex M. It's, it's terrible, but I was able to get at Alex Moss. But yeah, on Twitter's the best way. And if you're getting into NFTs, just get get onto Twitter anyway. Um, follow people who I may be following. Just go into my followers and scroll down there um, and go until you see it changes from Web 3 to Web 2 over time. <laughs> you know, it'll just be a bunch of NFT enthusiasts, collectors and curators, and then a bunch of SEO specialists underneath it. It's, uh, but I'd say, yeah, follow a load of people, get into it, and you'll get into you're getting to different things. You may be a person who just buys a one of one and you may just be a person who just likes the generative for different reasons. Um, and download Discord. Join the communities on Discord. I, I didn't use Discord a year ago. I use it daily now. You get involved. It's a, it's like Slack for gamers. It was around before Slack. It's a great platform and it really connects you with all the creators, other people who are in it. Um, and just find, find your way. But don't buy anything for a couple of months unless you really, really know your stuff. Just don't go out and and impulse buy. Um, just do your homework on every single one. Make sure the curators are known and lead back to a human face because some of them you'll find they're all behind, you know, PFPs, like illustrations and stuff. I'm probably an NFT influencer and, uh, who doesn't have... Um, an illustration for a profile picture like my profile picture is actually me you know so i would say get the trust in there make sure that you know who you're buying off because it could be anyone awesome thanks for joining us there alex i think people are gonna be hugely thankful for a lot of your insight and then i'm sure we're gonna have a load of people who are gonna deep dive into your followers cheers cheers (laughs) and ask any questions i'm very active on that Great. Thanks, Alex. Really enjoyed today. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime.